Buenos dias, how are you guys doing today? Buenos dias, I hope you're doing good. Um, I am uh, very excited to be with you this morning back in Genesis um, as we dig into God's word. And as I journeyed through these uh, few verses, um, I began to ask myself how we could approach this text. And um, I realized that there's probably one question that we oftentimes ask ourselves at uh, many parts of our lives, specifically when we come to crossroads, and that is this question. We go before God and we say, Lord, what is your will for my life? Show of hands, how many have you have ever uh, prayed that prayer? Right? We've all at some point in our lives have said, Lord, what is your will for my life? And uh, I have good news for you if you're here today, is that we have an answer to that question. Now, I am not going to give you the five steps to discovering God's perfect will for your life. That's not what this text is. But what we will discover in today's text is quite simply that you and I have been given an identity. We've been given a purpose. And that identity and that purpose is simple, is that you and I would be commissioned image bearers. And when we think about what is our purpose in life, what is our reason for living, what is our deepest why that drives what we do every day, it is this, that we are commissioned image bearers. And the beautiful part of Genesis is that it takes us back to the very beginning of things. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 are a state where perfection exists. Sin has not yet entered the world. And so we get a glimpse as, as to what God intended creation to be and how he intended creation to function. So over the last couple of weeks, we've journeyed through this text. The first part of Genesis is God creating all the things that are in this world with his word. He would simply say, let there be, and things existed out of nothing. God in his great might and power created things out of nothing. And last week, we saw that he created man, and he created this perfect garden where he placed man to not just live off of the fruit of the land, but he placed us as humankind in that garden to work it and to keep it and to cultivate it. And so there was purpose, not just beyond uh, living, but actually coming into this perfect creation God had established. And yet there was still work to do. And so God blessed man with three things, with worship, with work, and with women. He gave Adam Eve so that they would worship and work together this garden that God had already perfectly created. And yet there was work to still be done. And we get to today's text where we'll unpack a little bit more of what that means for you and me today to be image bearers that work and care and cultivate this land. Um, I remember being a kid and going to the grocery store with my mom. And uh, like most kids, when you go to the grocery store, you look and you see things you want, right? And you have no problem asking your parents for things you want. And I was a really good kid. So when we would go to the grocery store... I would ask for vegetables and fruits and um, chicken breasts, all the healthy things that most kids want. Uh, I'm kidding, I was a chubby kid. And um, <laughs> that chubby kid still lives inside of me. So I gotta actively fight against having ice cream at our house. But we'd go to the store with my mom and uh, I'd ask for sweets. I, I love ice cream and I love chips. And so those are the things that I would ask for. And, um, and as any kid, in the store with their parents at some point in time, uh, you are told no. And you're told no, and all of a sudden, something inside of you as a kid rises up as if though you've been deeply offended, and you have every right to stand your ground. And you say, how dare you, mom? How could you not give me what I want? 
And my mom, in uh, just her wisdom, just looked at me and said, uh, wait till we get home. And that's, that's all I needed to hear from my mom to uh, silence, to ferme la bouche, and to say, I don't know what that means, but I don't want to find out when we get home. And we drive home, the drive felt eternal, and my mom sat me down, and, uh, you know, in my house, the house I grew up in, we, uh, we were spanked, and uh, I am grateful for that, but she would sit me down before she would ever spank me and uh, explain to me why I was about to get spanked, which I think was even worse as a kid to get that reasoning, right? Like, that makes sense, Mom, but please don't spank me, you know? Um, <clears throat> but she told me, you represent us when you're in the store. You represent this family. And if you act a fool when you're in the store, you make us look like a fool. And you can't do that. That is not how I'm raising you. That's not what I'm teaching you. And Early on as a kid, I didn't completely understand this concept, but I knew that I was representing something bigger than myself. At that point, all I could grasp was that I was representing my family, that if I was out in the store, I could not act a fool because I didn't want my mom looking like a fool because that is not what she was teaching me. And so the rest of my life, I stopped doing foolish things. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, no, God has been gracious with my foolishness in my life. But that is what we find here in this first part of creation. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So the first thing that we discover in today's text is this. God created me in his image. And the, the statements I'm going to give to you today, I, I want you to write down to take with you to reflect on this week. And so Repeat after me, God made me in his image. This is at the core what differentiates us between uh, all of the rest of creation. In all of Genesis 1, God makes the birds according to their kind. He makes the beasts of the uh, land according to their kind. But then he very specifically breaks from let there be and forming all these things according to their kind. And in this verse, he starts off and breaks from let there be and says, let us make man in our image. Now, this is not necessarily a presentation of the triune God, but we get a glimpse that there is this Elohim uh, who is plural and yet singular, one God and yet many, and he is consulting. Let us make man in our image. He is now all of a sudden becoming relational, and there is something different and specific in this creation he is about to make. And that difference is that we would be made in his image and in his likeness. Nothing else in this world reflects God's image the way you and I do. The rest of creation screams of his power, screams of his design, screams of his goodness. Yes, but nothing else in the world reflects his image like you and I reflect. And he intended this on purpose. The author of the book, who believed to be Moses, was specifically stating this. Not that God had to consult with himself, but God opened that up for us to see that he was doing something very unique and beautiful in creating man. And he created man. And just as uh, creation depends on what they were created for, you take a fish out of the water and what happens? They die. I was a kid. My mom gave me some goldfish, and I thought it'd be fun to play with them. So I took them out of, the, of the, their fish tank and uh, put them back in after I was in playing, and they were dead. In my mind, I could play with these fish as a kid. I was not a very smart kid as I look back now, but I, 
I took him by to play with them. I put him back in, and sure enough, they died. Why? Because in order for a fish to live, it has to be connected to a source that God placed him in, which is the water. Same thing for the animals. We cannot take an elephant and put him in the seas and expect him to survive and live. He was made for the land to be amongst this kind. And in the same way, you and I, as human beings, were made in the image of God. Our source is the creator. And so without our source, we cannot survive. We cannot flourish. And so if the glory of man is to be like God and to rule like God, we are to be in fellowship and in harmony with God. Now, let me stipulate something that I think is important for us to kind of understand um, as we think about being made in the image and likeness of God. As we start the year, we hear things like, uh, don't bring your junk from 21 into 22, right? We hear like, leave the past behind you, start fresh, start new. And, it, and it's almost this sentiment like, well, we've gone 365 days around the sun and we mark a new year in our calendar and it's so simple to cut the past out and just start fresh. But if any of us have journeyed any amount of time through any amount of circumstances, we know that it's not quite that simple. It's not as simple as saying, I forget about my trauma and I move forward. I forget about my problems. I forget about uh, losing my job or going through COVID. It's not as simple as just saying we forget about things and we move on. And then we have well-intentioned people that uh, come to us and use this to try to help us to kind of say something similar. And it sounds like this. This is going to be the year of breakthrough for you, right? This is going to be the year that God is going to bless you and he's going to prosper you. And these are things that in our humanity we want to hear, that we want to believe, that we want to say, yes, amen, Lord, he's going to bless me this year. Now, I'm not telling you God does not want those things for us. He doesn't have, I'm not saying God does not have a plan for us. And I'm not saying that he doesn't want to restore those things that have been broken in our lives. But what I am saying is let us be careful about the things that we say and how we use this word. Why? Because we were made in the image and likeness of God. And yet we were limited to this earth and to the creation that he put before us. And so though we image and reflect his image and his likeness, we're not gods. You and I are not gods. We cannot create things out of nothing. And so we read verses like Mark eleven twenty two, and it says this, or verse 23, Truly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And it's easy for me to want to read this message or this text and say, yes, Lord, I believe it. Therefore, it's going to happen. And we adopt this posture of speaking things into existence as if though you and I have the power to do that. But we don't. God has not given us that type of authority or that type of power. And this is just a simple warning to be careful. Why? Because this is a trap we find in Genesis 3, 5. The serpent comes up to Eve and we'll talk more about this next week. And he questions, did God really say you will die? And then he says this, if you turn one page over, chapter 3, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of, your, you eat of it this fruit, it will, uh, sorry. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When sin enters the world, this is the trap that we face, that we want to be like God. The irony is that man and woman had already been created in the image and likeness of God. And yet Satan comes before Eve and says, you will be like God. 
not just like God to reflect him, but in essence, you will be your own God. And that is the trap that you and I face in the world that we live in today, that we want to be our own gods. We want to have our own things, our own way. And this creation narrative reminds us that we are created and therefore we're dependent upon the creator for the things that we need in this world. And so let us be careful. Why? Because the verse before mountain moving power, Jesus says, have faith in God. Before he says, you can move a mountain, if you pray it, it will happen, he says, have faith in God. And Tony Evans says this, the most important aspect of faith in is the worthiness of its object. You must be trusting in the right thing. You can place tremendous faith in the tooth fairy or Santa Claus, but you will be disappointed. And I would add, you can place tremendous faith on yourself and your abilities, and you will be disappointed. If, however, you have true, vibrant faith in God, in the God of the Bible, you have a spiritual authority to access divine power. And we're going to talk about this here in just a second. But the greatest thing that we have is not this power to create and to speak things ex into existence. It is that we get to have faith on the God who creates things out of nothing. We get to place our faith on the creator, and then he will lead our lives into what they are to look uh, like here on this earth. And so we are made in this image of God not to be God, but to be his representative here on earth. And it was very important in this time. You see, the uh, ancient Near East uh, tradition, religion in that time said that man had come out of this war that happened and man was made out of this bloodshed that, was, uh, that happened from a, a, a smaller God taking over a bigger God. And, and man was created to ultimately be slaves to these gods. And Moses here says the creation story that we have, the God that we trust in, is so radically different than all these other gods that you guys are hearing about. The God of the Bible, Yahweh Elohim, he doesn't create you as slaves. No, the king of kings makes you a king here on earth. And the vast difference between that and the religions of that time was that um, the kings of that time reflected their gods. Everybody else was a slave. And here we see humanity, all of us, we're created to be kings on this earth, to have dominion. And we'll explore that in just a second. But you and I were given this beautiful gift of having kingship here on earth. But ultimately, we're still under the greatest king, that is God himself. And so we were created to reflect his image. We're created to be kings here on earth. But that is completely dependent upon us having this relationship with God. You see, we were made from the material and immaterial. We were made as physical beings, but also spiritual beings. And that is what it allows us to commune with God continually. And in the perfect state, that communion was never broken. We were continually in communion with God. And it was a perfect communion, uh, communion with God. But of course, sin enters. And that communion with God breaks. And so we have effects of that. And so I want to ask you a question right now. And that is this. What image are you reflecting? in your life. Let me put it a slightly different way. I, I'm learning as I was studying this text that, that we reflect that which we are in deepest relationship with. If we have deep relationship with God, we will reflect God. But if we do not, we will reflect the things we have the deepest relationship with. Or put another way, we reflect what we depend on. We reflect what we depend on. And this becomes evident in the way we see our lives play out. If I depend on myself, the image I'm going to give you is one of coming up here, well-studied, confident, 
funny, eloquent, and I'm going to tackle this well. Why? Because I am depending on myself. And the image that you will leave with is, man, Josue is a, a decent preacher and was a dumb kid, right? Like, you'll leave with a certain image of me. But my hope is not that you would leave with that image of, that I was a dumb kid. I, I will hope you leave understanding something greater, that what I am hoping to reflect is God, is his character, his nature, his attributes. If I depend on my job for the joys that were meant for me to discover in my relationship with God, then you'll see me be a man that's actively seeking what's next, the promotion, the pay, whatever comes with that, and I will work in my own confidence and abilities to grow. And yes, those are not bad things, but when they become ultimate things and take the place of our relationship with God, and we depend on those things more than we depend on God, we reflect those things more than we reflect the image of God. If you depend on parenting well to make disciples out of your kids, more than you depend on God, good thing becomes a greater thing, and that becomes uh, an evil thing. Why? Because it separates us from the relationship we were meant to have with God. So hear me say this. The things we pursue are not bad in and of themselves. But as we pursue them, our greater call is to have this deep relationship with God because it is out of the image of God that then we get to do the things that we do here on earth. So let's continue in this text. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This image of God known as Imago Dei, if you've not heard that term before, Imago Dei simply means you and I were made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. This is what gives life value, is that we are different from all of other, other creation. We were made in this image of God. That is the reason why we fight for the unborn. That is the reason why we fight for equality among all people. That is why we fight for the marginalized. That is why we take care of the orphan and the widow. This is the reason because we have the image of God in all of humanity and therefore every life on this earth matters. And we are to be uh, stewards of that. Now he creates male and female. Not that man perfectly reflected God. No, it was in this community, male and female together, that is the reflection of the image of God because God said, let us make man in perfect community and he gives us that opportunity. So I see in this text that I can't reflect the image of God by myself. I can be good, I can pray, I can study scripture, I can try to live out my faith daily and yet that is not enough to reflect the image of God. I need you and you need me. We need each other to be in community to truly reflect the image of God. And so we find text. Um, in like Philippians 2 that say, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This is the call for us as a church today. When sin enters the world, we fracture our relationship with God. And in so doing, we fracture our relationship with one another. But fast forward, Jesus comes to restore that which had been broken, to restore that which had been lost in the fall. And that is our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. We find here that God creates us as many and yet gives us unity. He creates us diverse, male and female, and yes, and yet there is oneness in creation. And that is a beautiful reflection of God's image. And so I want to challenge you what broken relationships do you have in your life right now that maybe you need to be reminded? Jesus came to restore those broken relationships. Why? Because as we restore these relationships, 
we reflect the image of God a little bit more. We restore that image of God a little bit more in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds. So our call is to bear this image, to love one another well, and when it's difficult, to press into it even more. So you and I are made in the image of God. Let's continue in the text, verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. Second thing we find and we discover here today is this. God created me to fill the earth with his glory. Say, that, say it after me. God created me to fill the earth with his glory. So if you want to know what the will of God is for your life, the purpose God has given you here in this world, it is this, that you and I would fill the earth with his glory. Starting places, God bless them. When we think of blessing, we, we tend to corrupt that idea at times, and we tend to want it to be, Lord, give me what I am asking you for. Bless me. I want to live the blessed and prospered life. But here, God blesses them, and what it means is he, he gives them enabling power. The blessing is enabling power. From the get-go, God empowers his people to carry out the mission he has given them. And so what is this mission? Um, this text is traditionally known as the creation or cultural mandate, the direction God points humanity into when he sets them here on earth. And I wrestle with this word mandate because it almost feels like, Lord, you're blessing me with, with uh, imperatives, with things to do. And yet, in the perfect state, it was a little bit different than that. I think what God is revealing to us is that as we are in perfect communion with him, this mandate is not an order of things we are to do. It is what we would naturally do because of what is naturally in us. Because of how we were created, we would naturally carry out these things. Now pay attention to where he starts. He says, be fruitful. He doesn't go straight to multiply, right? He doesn't go straight into the productivity of what we were supposed to do. Um, that would have been fun. And we would have said, well, that's it. We're just supposed to multiply and fill the earth. But God says, no, first be fruitful. And I think this is a very important for us today. The starting point of God's commission to us to fill the earth with his glory is that we would bear fruit. Now, sin enters, and all of a sudden our sinful nature bears bad fruit. We are quick to anger. We are quick to want things our way. We are selfish. We want to be our own God. And yet God says, I've empowered you for something different. Um, over New Year's, I uh, finally contracted, I don't know a better word, the coronavirus. And um, I was very saddened because I had to isolate. And uh, fortunately, Yadira didn't uh, get the virus. But I was in my room on the 31st by myself and, uh, you know, walked out of my door and said, Happy New Year's like this. And uh, it was kind of, you know, kind of just the only time I think that I can remember entering the new year by myself. And that time gave me a lot of opportunity to kind of reflect and to think and to pray. And I tried to plan and a shameless plug. God's called us to plant a church and we're moving in that direction this year and with some of you. Amen. And... Um, and so, you know, I began to pray and to think through what God would want us to do. And in the uh, traditional Josue fashion, I began to put some spreadsheets together. And uh, that's uh, very important for uh, spiritual planning. So um, I have 
a lot of spreadsheets now that uh, have a lot of very good plans on them in my mind that I already know are not going to play out how they are lined out in this spreadsheet. That's okay. I know God's allowed me to think that way. But as I was processing that, um, I got excited. I was super excited, and I began to think and dream big about what God wants to do uh, through us to reach the Sugarland Rosenberg area, to go and make disciples, to multiply, to carry out this cultural mandate. And, and I'm super excited to see God already providing uh, financial means, God providing people that want to go with us. And so I'm, I'm motivated. And then I look at the timeline, and I'm thinking, all right, uh, 16 months away. And then as I'm breaking it down, it begins to feel not so far away. And it begins to feel overwhelming, like there are a lot of things I need, still need to get done. And then I go from excitement to worried and to anxious and to things that are not in keeping with the fruit of the Spirit. And I engaged an exercise that we know here in the church as fruit to root that we've engaged before. And so I began to ask myself, why am I anxious? Why am I worried? Why, why I have all these things that I'm planning, and I think what, they're, what that's showing me is that I, I really want to be in control of this process. And that's because there's something about God at the root level that I am not believing. And so what fruit am I bearing? The fruit will reveal what's at the root in my heart. And so I began to pray through that and ask the Lord, Lord, help me see what it is I, I haven't yet submitted to you, what it is about you that I, I'm having a hard time believing in this moment. And, and I got to a place where I realized I, I know God is sovereign and I know God is with me. But in the moments where I am tempted to take control, I am in essence saying, Lord, I don't really think you're that sovereign. So let me help you out with my spreadsheet. Lord, um, <laughs> Lord, I, I know you're with me, but I need to find more people. Like I, I, need a, I need that reassurance to have more people to go. So I go from this fruit of anxiety and control to the root of, Lord, I, I don't want to admit this, but I'm having a hard time believing you've sovereignly destined us and prepared this plan for us. And the beautiful thing about Scripture is that it helps me move from this root of unbelief to the root of belief. And even in today's Scripture, I was gently reminded God perfectly created all of humanity. He perfectly had a plan for all of humanity. Even knowing that we would fall, there was a perfect plan to come and to restore that. And so I can submit that reality before God. Not when I want to admit, because uh, after all, I've gone to school to study this. After all, I'm teaching on this. After all, I know what is true. And yet there are parts in my heart that are still having a hard time believing it. So I submit. I repent and turn that over to God and say, Lord, help me believe. Help me be reminded that you are sovereign, that you are in control, that you are Emmanuel, that you are with us. We just celebrated your arrival. Help me believe this. Sorry, guys. I'm still uh, surfing the effects of the corona. And in God's uh, beautiful nature, he joined me in my room by myself and settled my heart and reminded me he is sovereign. He reminded me of all the times in my life where he's been present where I thought things were about to go astray and I thought things were about to implode, where I, he delivered me even from my own dumb mistakes and he protected me to bring me closer to him so that I would live out for my life for him and for his glory. 
And so I am able to now have this freedom to believe, Lord, you are sovereign, you are in control, this is your church. Yes, I need to be obedient and plan and find uh, guidance and all the things that we're trying to actively do, that is a part of the process. But at the heart level, I can trust that this is your church, that you will bless your church, that it's not up to me to make it what I think it should be. It's, it's ultimately your work, and I will bear the fruit um, out of being connected to you. And so I want to challenge you this week to think about fruit, to take inventory. What kind of things do you see in your daily life? What kind of emotions do you see day in and day out as you go from Monday through Saturday or not here? And if you've never done the fruit to root exercise, let me invite you to reach out to your neighborhood group leader, to reach out to a pastor, to reach out to an elder, to reach out to a deacon and say, hey, help me journey through this because I'm seeing some fruit that is not in keeping with who God made me to me, that is not in keeping with the image of God. And so he's calling us to be fruit-bearing, good fruit-bearing disciples, image-bearers. And he continues, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. I don't often think about Adam and Eve as missionaries. I often think about them as being placed in the garden and like, man, that's paradise. That's where they're going to be at forever. And yet God's intended purpose for Adam and Eve was, hey, work this land, make it flourish, and then go to the ends of the earth and fill it for my glory. They were commissioned from the beginning to be basically missionaries, to take this mission that God had placed before them and go to the world and fill it. And we're given this beautiful ability. The rest of creation can procreate, but you and I can procreate image-bearing kids, image-bearing creations. And that is, in God's infinite wisdom and nature, he gives us that gift to be able to do that. Now, sin enters, This perfect commissioning breaks, this cultural creation mandate breaks. And we have to have someone come into the picture to restore this. Why? Because the first Adam was not able to complete it, but we have the greater and better Adam, Jesus. He enters the picture. He comes and he uh, lives the perfect life and he defeats sin, death, and evil. He resurrects and he gives us what we know as the Great Commission. And I wanted to specifically read Mark 16, 15, because something I don't often think about is this. He says, and, go, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now, does this mean that you're supposed to leave today and go up to the tree in your front yard and say, hey, tree, uh, let me tell you about Jesus? No, that's not, people are, that is not what you're supposed to do. But instead, what it means is that you and I, get to carry on this creation mandate of restoring all things. A definition of the gospel that I love, and you guys have heard me quote multiple times, is this, is that, is that the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has defe- defeated sin, death, and evil through his life, death, and resurrection. And he's making everything new, even us. And normally we focus on God restoring us, humanity. But The gospel is so much greater than that. He says, go and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. And what that means is that we don't just go and proclaim good news and say good news. No, that there's actually, there's there's two levels to this. There's the physical and there's the, and the spiritual that we would go and yes, profess, proclaim the good news of Jesus to image bearers that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. And yet that there's also an element of restoring creation to its original intended purpose and a place. And we get to do that. You and I get to do that. We get to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and make all things new 
and share the good news of Jesus with the image bearers. And so we praise God that Jesus came and moved us further into fulfilling this cultural mandate. And it ends, uh, this text ends in this, in this section, second part of the verse. And he said to them, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. We heard a little bit about this yesterday, but this is the last takeaway I want you to leave with. And it is this, God created me to care for and cultivate his creation. Say it with me. God created me to care for and cultivate his creation. You guys sound very excited about that. This is the gift that we would care and cultivate. It starts with ourselves, that we would take our spiritual life seriously, that we would truly care and cultivate our relationship with God, that if we've placed our faith on Jesus Christ, that we would take us as created beings and we would care and cultivate this relationship with him, that then we would also care and cultivate the relationships he's given us with one another, those that have been broken and severed, that we would actively be uh, agents to care and cultivate for our marriages, that we wouldn't uh, forget about it or just kind of go along and figure it out as it comes on, but that we would be active participants in caring and cultivating for our marriages, that we would care and cultivate um, our parenting, that we would be parents that love our kids and disciple them more than anything into a love for Jesus that we would care and cultivate our relationships with our neighbors, that we would be active in engaging our neighbors that don't yet know the good news of Jesus Christ because we know that as image bearers, they are missing something deep and unique in their creation, that we would also go Monday through Friday to our works of, uh, or to the places where we work and that we would care and cultivate the image of God in the way we work. And that means that we would love our coworkers, that we would serve them well, that they would see the image of God in the way we treat them and also in the way we treat our labor, that we would care and cultivate these things. Um, my wife loves plants and she has a green thumb and uh, she got that from her dad. Uh, they, they have a very good ability to plant and help grow things and I do not have that ability. But I want to help. I want to be a helpful husband, right? Like a loving, helpful husband. And... Um, so she's got these pots around the house that, in the backyard, and um, I'm like, you know, I'm going to help her out. Uh, I saw this video that uh, if you take um, coffee grinds and uh, you put them on plants, like, they'll grow faster and quicker because they get more nutrients. And so I saved up my coffee uh, grounds for a week from my French press and uh, went to town on all the plants we have around the house. And uh, within a week, everything had doubled in size. It was amazing. And... Um, no, actually, everything had died. Um, <laughs> everything died because that hack is uh, not for these little, it's like you're supposed to do that to a certain degree with trees, and you know, I didn't water them either. And um, you know, my wife shows up a week, week later and, and looks at everything and is like, what happened? And in trying to be helpful, um, I didn't care and cultivate that very well. Now, why do I tell you this story? Uh, because I have a lot of learning and growing still to do as a husband and as a, um, as a farmer, for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, more than that, because it takes time and intentionality. That's what I learned from that experience, is that in a good intention manner, in wanting to help, um, I learned a hard lesson, but that this 
effort to care and cultivate for God's creation takes time. It takes energy. It's not, an, it's not a one-time thing that we do, and we'll make mistakes along the way, but God created us to care and to cultivate his creation. And so let me ask you, what are you caring for and cultivating in your life? What are you caring for and cultivating in your life? And he says this, that we would have dominion and subdue. We have these negative connotations of that because in the fallen world, we have this battle of power, right? When we think of, of dominion, we think of a, of a stronger power taking over a lesser power. And yet in the perfect Garden of Eden, that wasn't the case. The case was that there was perfect harmony. And God called man and woman to go into the garden and to ultimately help it flourish in this perfect harmony, not to trample over it, but to help it flourish. That is the call for you and for me, that as we care and we cultivate things in our life, that you and I would be men and women who understand we are created in God's image, that we get to love the way he loves us, we get to serve the way he serves us, that we get to be kings the way he is king, and we get to care and cultivate the things he's placed before our hands. And we don't do this perfectly, but that's okay because we have the good news of Jesus Christ that he's making all things new, even us. And so when we mess up, we can come to him and repent. And he is gracious, and he is faithful to forgive us, and he is, uh, empowers us to continue to live this mission he's given us. And my hope and my prayer is that you'll leave today knowing this, that you are made in the image of God to fill the earth with God's glory. And you've been given a beautiful mission to care and to cultivate all of his creation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're uh, humbled when we look back to your creation story, that, um, that you would look at us in such a way that uh, had greater significance than all other creation, that you wanted to relate to us, that you wanted to have a relationship with us, that you wanted us to reflect who you are in this world, that that had been your plan since the beginning and yes, sin entered and broke that, but we have the beautiful news of Jesus Christ, that he came to break down the barriers of sin and death and evil so that we would be made new, so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we could have a right relationship with you and with one another. And in so doing, Lord, that we would get to participate in renewing creation, in renewing the things that had been lost in the fall while we wait for the new heaven and the new earth to come. Father God, we're encouraged by this news that we are made in your image, that you've given us identity and purpose to be commissioned image bearers. I just pray that as we leave here today, that if any part of this message, Lord, challenged us or convicted us, that we would press into that, that we would come before you with that, so that, Lord, we would get to truly live out what you've created us for, and that is to fill this earth with your glory. Let us be men and women who do that day in and day out. And when we don't do it well, let us be men and women who can repent and wake up the next day full of your grace to do it all over again. We're grateful that you loved us this much to create us in relationship with you. And yet after the fall, you still made a way for us to be in relationship with you. Be with us today as we uh, remember your death and your resurrection. In your name we pray. Amen.